0: Hey, welcome to the Coco Express Show Network for Wednesday, April 1st, 2015. And it has really been an interesting April 1st for 2015. But as you know, if you are a fan of the show, you know that the first Wednesday of every month is Relationship Remedies for Us with Dr. Linda Owens-Wiley and Hank Stewart. So please allow me the opportunity to move on over so that you can have an opportunity to speak with her. Thank you. It's about me. It's about you. It's about us. It's about relationship running with Dr. Linda Owens Wiley and Sue Joy. everybody. We are here today, and joining us is uh, Dr. Linda. And it is, um, unfortunately, we're supposed to have a guest with us today, uh, Dr. Charles Rawlings. And he has a book called, the title, It Is That Complicated? However, he's not going to be able to join us. He's stuck in some really heavy traffic. And um, uh, Dr. Linda, are you still with us? Okay, she's not with us either. Boy. It must be April 1st because this just happens to be like one of the most, I guess, challenging days I've had in a long time. So I am hoping that, you know, I still have somebody here who is able to do the show. But if not, you have me um, just trying to get through these uh, few minutes with you. Now, I am going to see exactly what's going on. So I'm going to, let's see, what kind of music? You want to hear? Hey, I can tell you something that's really cool. Um, oh, she's there. So, Linda, come on and join us because I need your help. I'm 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 drowning here now. Hello.
1: Hey, Aurelia. Hey.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Okay, I was gonna say I've been talking the whole time. We must be having technical difficulties because I kept telling you, "Hello, I'm here."
0: Yeah, well, I had the mic on, but evidently, I don't know. I had the mic light, and the mic light was lit. I tell you, it's April 1st. It's, it's, it's-
1: That must be it. That
0: must oh, be the- it. But
1: no worries. No worries. This is uh, going to be a good show, so let me go ahead and greet my listeners. Peace and blessings, everyone. I'm Dr. Linda Wiley. Welcome to Relationship Remedies for Us. This is the place, the best place, the only place where you get to discuss hot topics related to the health of your relationships. So bring us your questions, concerns, and comments, and most of all, bring an open mind. We are going to talk tonight even without our special guest. As Aurelia mentioned, his book is called It Really Is That Complicated, The Myths That Exists About Male-Female Relationships. And so while he's not here, we'll give you a little bit of flavor. She and I read the book. And, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the concepts in the book as well as our views about the concepts. So not quite as exciting as if he were here, but, um, we'll do our best to hold it down and hopefully Hank Stewart will join us as well. You know, Hank is, uh, my co-host. He's an author, a poet, and he's a friend of mine. But Hank is someone who has lots of, uh, speaking engagements and, uh, Readings with respect to his poetry, etc. So he kind of pops in on us when he can to add that little male perspective and give us a little bit of extra flavor. So hopefully we'll be joined by Hank. So Aurelia, are you ready to hold it down with me as we talk about the myths that exist about male-female relationships? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need you to sound a little bit more excited, just a little bit more excited.
0: This is just such a topic that really I don't have, like, a lot of book. yeah, read the book. Yeah, yeah, read read the book. Yeah, so,
1: I so we're going to be book. talking about the book because the book is really interesting. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy's background mm-hmm. first of all. So, Charles Rawlings already had a career as a prominent neurosurgeon before choosing to pursue the intellectual challenge of becoming a lawyer. So he's got J.D. and M.D. after his name. Following law school, he established the Rawlings Law Firm in Winston Salem, North Carolina, a firm whose clients are primarily patients. Injured by medical malpractice. So, after being a neurosurgeon, running into malpractice cases, he decided to be a lawyer and help those individuals. His writings as a neurosurgeon have been published in many medical journals, and he has also received further recognition in the field of law. Rawlings' book, It Really Is That Complicated, won in the how to category of the Great Midwest Book Contest in 2014, an honorable mention in the Florida Book Festival. In addition, Rawlings is an award-winning underwater photographer an internationally acclaimed author and conducts scientific exploratory expeditions, and he's been on over 50 of them. When he is not exploring the world, you may find him at home in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So, Dr. Rawlings, we're sorry that you were not able to make it. Um, We just got the word a little while ago. Apparently something came up last minute, traffic-related or something. But we will do the best to kind of represents your book and some of our views on it. So um, let me just share with you what his table of contents is. And if some of the titles of these chapters don't get you excited, particularly the women, then I'm not sure what would. So the first chapter is, I told her I would take her anywhere in the world she wanted to go. Chapter 2, A Marriage of 18 Years. Chapter 3, all women want what they cannot have. We will be talking about that chapter, and we'll really be talking about this one. Chapter 4, all women are prostitutes. Chapter Mm. 5, the shaman told me I would know. Chapter 6, the Belize house. Chapter 7, I took her to swim with baby whales. Chapter 8, the hooker. Chapter 9, matchmaking anyone. And Chapter 10, you can never go back. So before we go into um the chapters in particular, what was your just, just give us a high level overview of what you felt as you were reading
0: some of the chapters in this book. Um, a very educated man, highly intelligent man. Okay. And that in itself speaks volumes as to how the direction of the book, you know, and mm-hmm. You know, having having had the experience of working with doctors and lawyers, um, they they see things from a really different perspective than, than us people who just kind of like are not on that particular level mm-hmm. and everything. So um, I thought the book very interesting, extremely interesting. You know, tell me what you thought.
1: I agree with everything that you said and what I would add to that is you could tell that this was a an older white male writing the book by some of the things that he said and we'll get into some of that when we delve into the chapters, but it only to me it only had that perspective it did not take the rest of the world into consideration. So some of the statements that he makes clearly come from an older white male's perspective, and it made me wonder, did he do any research? Did he talk to anybody else? Was this just all based on his own personal experience? Um, Because I'm not even sure that he talked to other men. I'm pretty clear that he didn't talk to anybody that would be a person of color, or he didn't talk to anybody outside of his socioeconomic status. So I think the book has limited appeal, and certainly the audience that I try to reach is not the audience that would buy into some of the concepts that he had in this book. And I'm not saying anything positive or negative about my audience. I love my audience. I love my people. But I can't relate to some of this stuff, and I hope my audience is is made up of people that relate to me and that I relate to them. And so many of the things he wrote about, you know, just – just don't relate. I, I couldn't relate. So even if you just start with chapter one, let me go back remind us. Chapter one, I told her I would take her anywhere in the world she wanted to go. So remember in that chapter, he's dating a woman, and they hadn't even been dating a very long time, but he was dating this woman, and one of the things he said to her was to pick five places anywhere in the world where she wanted to go, and he would take her there. So it's like, okay, wait, stop right there, stop right there. <laughs> How often in a relationship do you meet someone who will say to you, pick five places anywhere in the world where you want to go and I'll take you there. Even if you met someone who was going to take you someplace, he might tell you or she, pick any place in the world, one place but five, and it usually wouldn't happen in the first couple of months that you're dating. So what did you think about that statement? See, that's what I mean, that right there where I said, that's not my audience.
0: You know, the people that I relate to,
1: we just don't do things like that. And who can afford to do something like that? So what were your thoughts about that?
0: Well, I thought that was really interesting because, one, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to get a man to take you out to dinner, you know, mm-hmm. um, and let alone, you know, take you to all these places. Normally, normally from what I've seen and from what I understand, that when a man has the ability to do all of that, he wants a particular type of woman and that's not your average woman. Uh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's not your average woman um, that he's going to immediately meet and say, um, name five places you want to go to. I mean, we, I've done that playing a game. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, you know, exactly. but most people aren't going to do that. I mean, it's, it's not realistic. Why would you, first of all, why would you make that type of investment in someone that you rarely know? And, can afford to do something like that but you know she was fortunate and the relationship didn't last long enough to get to all five they went to two but you know she got to go to some exciting places Mm -hmm. i remember the second place was mongolia i'd have to look back through and see where was the first place but i know they made it to mongolia oh something about polar bears she wanted to see polar bears and i forget where they went but she got to see her polar bears and they got to go to mongolia and even the mongolian trip was one where um Remember they, they spent like five days on horseback to they were going to find the shaman and spent five days on horseback to get to the shaman five days to get back <laughs> and then add to it the time it took to get to Mongolia and the time they spent there so it was it was a good little little time there yeah, mm-hmm. they spent some time and so the good thing that I'll say that comes out of that is they did have some one on one alone quality time which really allows you to get to know a person, but I still believe there's a building process. You don't just go off on these exotic trip, trips with someone that you rarely know because even though he may be a doctor and a lawyer, there's some crazy people out there who've got the same kind of credentials after their name, so you want to be careful of that. But also in chapter number one, he talked about um, – remember he talked about men being fixers, and yeah. um, I agree with part of that. I do believe that men like to solve problems. And so that's not even new information. That goes back, remember John Gray, the Mars Venus guy, he wrote about stuff like that. And men are fixers. They are problem solvers. If you're just venting and you say something to a man, he's going to instantly jump into fix-it mode and see what he can do to help you come up with a solution or try to resolve it for you. So that piece I agree with. But he talked about men fixing women, you know, like finding a woman who needed some things. Now, men can sometimes be rescuers, and if a a woman appears to be a damsel in distress, she needs her bills paid or something. There are some men who, you know, here I come, I'm going to pay your bill, I'm going to solve your problem. But most men, in my experience, if a woman is full of issues, They're not going to get bogged down with the issues. They're going to do one of two things. They're going to ignore the issues and go right to the sex, or they're just going to write the woman off because she has too many issues. I can go be with somebody else that I don't have to deal with all of that in order to get to the sex. So what do you Mm -hmm. think about his his concept about men being fixers of women?
0: I do agree. They do want – just like women want to fix men – You know, and whether they want to admit to it or not, and some of them will swear up and down that that's not what they want to do. But yes, men are fixers. And yes, we have a tendency, and I I have to be honest with you about this, that women have a tendency of stating that they want somebody to help them, they need Mm -hmm. somebody to do things for them, and then when that particular person comes along and he doesn't come along and do it in the manner that they want it, they have an issue. And then there are men who claim that they want an independent woman who is able mm-hmm. to stand on her own and, you know, hold her own. But when they find that kind of woman, she's too independent. She's not needy enough. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it's true. You know, men want yeah, to Yeah, I agree things. with a lot of that. The the place
1: where I think we differ, though, because I know that's where I differ with him, is I just don't see men as trying to fix a woman's character. And, and that's why I just say he'll try to solve your problems. He might try to change you, but he's not going to say, wow, she really needs my help. I'm going to try and turn her into a better woman. Women do that to men. Women will look at a man and say uh, he's got potential or, you know, if I just love him the right way, he'll do things differently. My experience, though, is that men don't typically do that same kind of thing with, uh, with the woman. So,
0: Well, you have um, Pygmalion.
1: A, a mm-hmm. classic
0: example. That is truly a classic. Um, uh, a man true. who tried to, to fix a woman, change her, and change her character. hmm So, yeah. you know. But, it's, again, it's, if we're
1: talking in general terms, I mean, Pygmalion, yeah, it was a classic. It was also a, a fable. But it, it was meant to, to prove <laughs> a point. And I think if you go out into the neighborhood today, and you look for a brother who's going to look at your character and try to work with your character qualities and make you a better woman, I just don't see it happening. But, hey, maybe my years of experience in coaching are wrong. I, I just don't see it happening. Don't Again, even, not no, in the audience don't, that don't I even.
0: serve. not <laughs> even try that. Um, but not no.
1: in the audience that I serve.
0: I mean, yeah, I think men do it on, our, on a on. I call it a covert level. The, the men on, you know, in the audience you serve, I think they do it on a covert level. You know, you may not know they're doing it, and they may not tell you that, but that's what's on their mind. But it, ain't, it hasn't come no, out But again,
1: so, No, they try to change you. I'm not saying they don't try to change you. They try to change you, and they'll try to change you so that you fit whatever it is that they want. But that's different than finding someone with potential. I'm going to take this lump of coal and turn her into a diamond out of some altruistic thing. It's, It's all about the motive. This is a woman that I want. I don't like the way she is, so I'm going to change her. Maybe I'll dress her, fix her up. In fact, he talks about stuff like that, you know, taking women shopping and different things like that. Sometimes people do it to impress. But I rarely find the brothers doing that because here's a woman who, if I just help her out a little bit, she'll be a better person. He might help her out, but it's not coming from that better person thing. But one of the mm-hmm. other things that he talked about that I thought was kind of interesting, um, I'm going to skip ahead to, let me see, what was another chapter that was mm. particularly interesting to me? Before we get to your favorite, let's see. Um, oh, <laughs> chapter three, all women want what they cannot have. Now, I did find some good points in that one. What'd you think of that chapter? You remember that
0: one? Yes, I did. And it—it's true. It's true. It's true. We do want what we can't have, mm-hmm. and it's yep. like the forbidden fruit. And the more we know we can't have it, the more we want it, it becomes even more desirable. It may just yeah. be a, a beat up apple, but because we can't have the apple, all of a sudden it's redder. It—it looks juicier. It—it it, it just calls for you. That's all yeah. because, you know, we like we as humans like a challenge, whether we like to admit to it or not. I think we like yeah. a challenge. And I agree,
1: and that's why the women, most women, or I should say most because I don't know that it's most, but many women go for the bad boy because the guy who's running from you, who's not calling, not texting, who's that enigma that you can't figure out, you want to get to the root of it. You want to break him. You want to make him your own, all of those things. And so... The guy who is there trying to be nice the gentleman the one who's very chivalrous who's opening doors and sending flowers and complimenting you and all these other things that's too easy you don't want that one you want the one that you have to chase down and pull out of the arms of another woman and some uh baby mama and everything else and that's the one you go after so i do think he's right on that women want what they cannot have however i think that That sometimes runs true for men as well. I don't think it's just women because I do believe that, and I've said this many times, that the person least in love controls the relationship. And, in fact, he makes a statement similar. He says, in a relationship, the one who holds the power is the person who cares the least. So Mm -hmm. that's very true. So men will run after women that seem to be out of their league, women that they can't have either, and it is. It's a very powerful thing.
0: It's a it's that challenge thing again, that's yep. that's that challenge, and it's true. I mean, yeah, there. Are, I mean, I don't know what the mystique is, or or the fact that we just like beating ourselves upside the head. But it seems like the more aloof a person is, the more we want to know why. And I think a yeah. lot of times, I think a lot of times we go after them continuously because we want to know why. Yes. And and I think sometimes with men, because men
1: are warriors and they like to conquer, you know, they don't want to lose. So here's a battle that I have the opportunity to win and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to persist until I'm victorious. And that's why sometimes you'll hear people talk about the fact that, you know, he chased me, chased me. I played hard to get. And then when I finally gave in, he disappeared. And that's because He won the battle, so now he's on to new territory, and that happens quite often in relationships. In fact, um, you know, I do broadcast radio as well, and so one of my listeners uh, hit me up on Facebook and was telling me his situation. He was saying something about the fact that he tends to think that um, he's always attracted to women who aren't interested in him, and he wanted to know why. And a lot of that really has to do with, well, in his situation, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that if a woman is interested enough to give you her number to begin with, there's some interest. So after that, she either finds out that you two are not compatible or you're doing something that turns her off. But he was just saying how, you know, they'll be interested at first and then we'll go out a few times and then they disappear. So the same thing can happen for women. Sometimes a woman just wants to conquer and she got what she wanted and now she moved on as well. So I do think it's not just women who want what they can't have, but I think it's a human condition to conquer, to be victorious, to have that challenge and to go after something that seems just a little bit out of your reach.
0: Okay. Now, now, okay, fine. My, my, Comment to that because I'm going to piggyback on that mm-hmm. and I'm going to comment and say that yes, um, a lot of times a woman finds out that there's something that ain't there's not too kosher with an individual and they kind of step back a little bit, but then they give in sometimes too because of the simple fact the person is so persistent. And we all have that thing where we kind of some people I'm not saying everybody, some people they they just settle.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I'll give you another angle because sometimes it's a self-esteem thing. Sometimes when, and I see this more in women than men, but it does happen on both sides. Sometimes if she's feeling like um, she's afraid of relationships, she's afraid of rejection, it's almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy. She'll go after the brother that she thinks it's going to reject her anyway so that in the end she's able to say, see, I knew it. I knew I wasn't worth uh, anybody, you know, caring for me. Or I knew all men were dogs. They just, you know, want you in the beginning and don't later. And so it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't believe Mm -hmm. I can get a good man, so I go after a man that I can't get so that in the end I can prove myself right. And so that's a whole nother angle. Um, That's not about the power and the person who's least in love. That's someone who really has some some self-esteem issues and, and could probably benefit from some good counseling.
0: Now, I'm not trying so now to... Now, this um, is
1: one more. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I'm not trying to, to... To. I'm trying... I mean, I, I did, you know, read the book and everything, and, and when he talks about the online dating and this dating and that kind of dating, he did a lot mm-hmm. of dating.
1: Yeah, he did a lot of dating. and He spent a lot of money. And I know... Yeah. Um, In the pre-work that was sent over to us about him and about the book, um, he said the most challenging aspect, because there was a question asked of him, what aspect of writing the book did you find particularly challenging? And he said the most challenging aspect was confronting my own personal experiences, discussing them in an objective manner, and in so doing, overcoming some of my own personal demons and dismantling my filters. So I do. I think a lot of it, you know, he did a lot of dating. He ran into a lot of different situations and this was sort of cathartic for him to talk through these things and that's Mm -hmm. why in the beginning I was saying I'm not really sure if he did any research or talked to anybody else because I think a lot of his experiences that he wrote about they sound like they're your experiences but not things that are Mm -hmm. generalizable across all or even many populations so I'm sure he was able to to do some of his own work but um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know how well it works for everybody. He was also asked, do you have any favorite experiences when writing your book? And he said, every page and every story resounds in my own personal psyche. The last chapter and the materials therein is the most important, not only to me, but also as a message to my readers. So, of course, we'll we'll get to that point. And, again, I hope people don't feel like we're bashing him at all because we're not. If he were here, I would certainly be... You know a very gracious host and ask him some questions, but given that he's not, if we're going to take a look at a, at the book, let's take a a good, hard, critical look. I mean the book won some awards, so it's a it's a good work, and it does read very well i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's a well written book, I'm just not sure of the wide appeal that the book might have. so if you have any comments or questions, if you've read the book, if you want to ask us something about the book, you can give us a call at three four seven. Six three seven two three one nine. again the number to call is 347-637-2319 we are talking about a book written by Charles E. Rawlings the book is called It Really Is That Complicated and it's a book about um, his experiences and he's trying to dismantle some of the myths that exist between or that exist about male-female relationships
0: now that's Linda Mm-hmm. I know you're gonna. You, you're not trying to rush to get to that particular topic and um, um, that subject in that chapter in the book. And well, yeah, let's go there. That's the next chapter.
1: That's chapter four. All women a prostitutes, according to uh, Dr. Walling.
0: And I mean, when he lays it out in the book, in the manner that he lays it out in the book. Okay, yeah, fine. Looking at it that way, but that's such a Cold, whole harsh way to look at things. And that's the thing that I... And a lot of the concepts in the book, they're so, I guess, in in male language. You know, we're more gentle and, and <laughs> delicate with the way so, okay, we display things. Okay, so give people things.
1: some idea what you're talking about. Because remember, they haven't read the book. So we're talking about... You're talking about that particular chapter. Tell them a little bit about okay what the chapter says.
0: You know, he says that, you know, we put ourselves out there and do what, what we to get a prize you know we we put ourselves out there we we do what we have to do to get what we want mm-hmm. and so i mean that's everybody i mean everybody is doing something for something you're not doing yeah. nothing everybody yeah. i guess we, you know the world is prostituting itself yeah i mean that's one way to look at it the the word
1: i think is what it's Most offensive, we don't like that word, prostitute, but the world is based on this whole quid pro quo, you know, and as an attorney, Mm -hmm. he could have used that terminology instead, you know, it really is quid pro quo, this for that, I'll do this if you do that. That's what makes the world turn, whether you're doing favors for people, whether you're buying something, you know, you give me this product, I'll give you this cash. I mean, the whole world goes like that. And so even, you know, he puts the emphasis on women. So, again, I go back to saying sometimes it sounds like, you know, the bitter writings of a, a middle-aged white male. But um, he puts it on women, but men are in it for something as well. And so, so to his point, okay, in the chapter, he talks about, and again, I don't know who he knows, but he talks about taking a woman on a first date, and he says, "You send her flowers, which might cost twenty five to fifty dollars. You have a car go pick her up, which is fifty dollars. the dinner is ninety, the wine is fifty, and the Broadway show or some equivalent entertainment is two hundred dollars so by the time you double that for him and for her, he's saying that you've spent." Approximately four hundred and fifty dollars on a first date, and that's why I'm saying the book is not generalizable. It's specific to an affluent population, probably yes. an affluent white population.
0: A certain because, demographic.
1: Yeah, in in our neighborhoods, nobody is sending a car to pick you up. You're not typically getting flowers before the date. Now he might send you flowers a couple of days after he meets you or he might send you flowers after you've gone out a few times, but not all as part of the first date. And wine, $50 for wine, you know, it's like those kinds of things just don't go on and they're not really necessary. So he's upset because you spend that kind of money and then you may not get sex because he says, you know, most women don't give you sex on the first date. So he's saying that you could, You'd be better off getting an escort because you spend that money and you know what you're going to get. So, by his very own admission, he's basically saying that a man is that. spending that four hundred and fifty dollars so that he can get sex. So, yep. men are prostituting themselves too. You're trying to pay for it, but you want to fault a woman for receiving what you give her, and it's just a, a double
0: standard that just doesn't sit well. Yeah, and that's the fun. That's that's the interesting part of it it's like he'll put his examples out there which states you know it pretty much says he's tried all of these things Mm -hmm. and you know and for some reason it seems like the blame is always on the woman in the book
1: yeah yeah it's definitely a one-sided kind of thing again written from his perspective his experience it would Mm -hmm. be good to know who did you talk to? Because it is. Everything is on the woman. And um, the whole comparison to escort services and so forth, mm-hmm. again, just really keeps going back to, so you're letting us know from your perspective why it is that a man has taken a woman out. Because if it's not for the companionship and the good time, that's why you're equating it to why well, you might as well just have spent that money on an escort because now you know that you spent your money and you know what you're going to get. And then sometimes, you know, it could be that if a woman is sensing that that's what you want, she might wait even longer because she wants to get to know you, she wants you to get to know her, and um, if all you want from me is sex, then there's some women who are going to to go in the direction of, okay, well, you're going to have to work for it then. So I'm not saying that that's right, but it just it is what it is. So
0: it, It's interesting. If you take a Steve Harvey and you put... Um, the two of them together, you have mm-hmm. true, really conflicting perspectives. They clash, yeah. so to speak. Very true,
1: very true. So, again, I mean, the book is its interesting. It's a quick read. It definitely mm-hmm. is a perspective. I'm sure that it holds true for some, but I did not find it to be generalizable. I did not find many of his uh I don't want to say theories, but you know the the precepts that it's based on. I did not find to be true from a psychological perspective. And let's face it, he's a medical doctor and a lawyer. And um, I think it's mostly true for the audience that he knows best. But I would certainly say the book is available on Amazon.com. It's written, published by Author House. Again, the author's name is Charles Rawling. He was to have been with us tonight, but Uh, his publisher said he got tied up in traffic or something and was not able to make it so even though we just kind of covered the first half honestly I did not read the second half of the book I think I will but I hadn't read the second half of the book so after chapter four that's about all that I can really give commentary on I was hoping that we would get some more information from him on Mm -hmm. the remainder of the book and who knows maybe at some point We'll uh, allow him to try again and, and be a guest on the show. But I do just want to make sure that people know, not trying to put it down, just trying to give you our perspective, which differs from his. The book is called It Really Is That Complicated, and the author is Charles Rawling. So given that he's not here and we have pretty much exhausted what we know about the book, I would suggest that perhaps we uh wrap up this topic and uh maybe join our I listened at another time.
0: What do you think? I think that, you know, under the circumstances, I mean, giving our perspective, which also is one-sided because it's based on, you know, our yes. perspectives as women. Um, and as African-American
1: a, women. And yeah. Yes. So,
0: yeah. You know, on a book that was written by a, a, a Caucasian male. And, you know, we have, I mean, I read the book. And, I mean, he's still working at it, so it's not like he's completed his quest to where Mm -hmm. he wants to be. So, you know, it's just really interesting. You get to see a perspective, and sometimes we think that in our society, in our community, in our demographic, we're the only ones experiencing these kinds of things. This book was a wake-up call to let you know, no, it is happening across the board. So don't think, you know, if you hop on over to another train, you're going to get a better ride.
1: Right. But, you know, one thing that I do like about it is I do think that we should step outside of our own box, outside of our own neighborhood, and hear some different perspectives. And maybe reading this, when you recognize that there are some men out there who will spend $450 on a first date, that there are some men out there who will say to you, um, pick five places anywhere in the world where you want to go, and I will take you there, to know that those kind of men exist. I think is a great thing because mm-hmm. then you can raise your standards for what you will or will not accept from a man, and maybe it will cause you to step outside your comfort zone and date a different type of a man who can do those types of things for you. So it really would have been great to have the, the cross-cultural, cross-gender kind of conversation with him. And, again, I mean, I applaud him for writing a an award-winning book a book that gives some good information and some good uh, examples and experiences, and I would hope that people would take a, a look at it and broaden their perspective. It may not be your reality, but it is someone's reality, and if you like it, you certainly can make it your reality.
0: That's true. You're absolutely right. And once again, Dr. Linda, you always you know nail it with the way that you just kind of explain things to us because we don't always know. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I never said that I had all the answers, but I am always open to learn myself. So all I can do is share my perspective, but my perspective is based on an anointing from God, wisdom from life, and education from many, many years of studying and serving different clients. So it's my desire to strengthen families by prescribing remedies for your relationship challenges. And I just thank you for tuning in the first Wednesday of every month. And allowing me and those who join me, like Aurelia and Hank Stewart and any of the guests that we have, I just want to thank you all for letting us speak into your life. So not the show that we promised you, but hopefully it was a show that was good and enlightening for you. Thank you so much. And until next time, be blessed.
0: Be well, all. Thank you. That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live.